Jen Bosworth Ramirez. And I'm Gina Polici. We went to theater school together. We survived it, but we didn't quite understand it. 20 years later, we're digging deep, talking to our guests about their experiences and trying to make sense of it all. We survived theater school, and you will too. Are we famous yet? Out of my, my morning frog out of my throat yet how you doing i am wow i have a lot to talk to you about oh i i half expected you to have red hair this morning oh do you think i should i yeah. really I, okay but like did you see the picture i put of run lola yeah run? i mean that might be a little hard to maintain it's going to be super hard to make. Like you'll you'll have to be in the salon every six weeks at least, or four weeks for root touch up. Ugh. But I mean, I personally think the roots coming in would look cool. But wow, yeah, what that's do like I know? the whole right. balayage thing. Well, I'll keep you posted because I I definitely want to do something different, much different. What's going on? Um. Okay. <laughs> so first thing I'll just get out of the way is um for fun because we're always trying to remember our classes and who taught and what year we did everything. I ordered my transcript, um, which unfortunately does not have the names of your professors. That sucks. Just, yeah. It just has the name of the class. Yeah. And my grades were fair, not great. Like I had a 3.5 or something like that, which I would have, I thought in my memory that I got really good grades in college but they were really just pretty average. But guess what my lowest grade was in? Was it, was it, well, the easy choice is Avcali. My C, my, my one and only C, C minus, minus was an intro to psychology. <laughs> what? And How I was trying to C- I was talking to my husband about it and he goes, yeah, I got a low grade too. He's like, we were just basically saying, this is all too real. Uh, (laughs) We're not ready to take it on yet. I think that's a great observation (laughs) by him. Holy (laughs) shit. See, my hilarious. It's just hilarious. And then in other classes where I was sure, you know, I was hated like an Avcali's class and I got A's. So my God, isn't that crazy? It's all so subjective. Like our... Our experience of something is subjective, and then our memory about something totally is changingly subjective as the years go by. Right. It it's not just subjective. It's a uh, yeah. It's very um like mutating subjective. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's yeah, crazy. Totally. Oh my okay. god! So you ordered your transcript? Okay. Okay. Well, yeah. now you have a transcript. And guess what? You, anybody can. It's twenty five cents. Like if you have if you haven't ordered like you have a certain number you can get in a certain period of time and so your first one is 25 cents you anybody else wants to have a transcript you too could relive your your grades oh my god might might find some surprises do you think you would find some surprises in your i'm sure i mean i know for a fact that i that i i i was supposed to drop a class, a, a non, obviously non-theater school class, and I never dropped it. So if you don't drop it, you get an F. So I got an F in like, I want to say it was like sociology or something mm-hmm. like that. 
And I almost didn't graduate because they oh. thought, yeah. And so you can't, anyway, it was like a, I remember my last year, my senior year, I had to like do all kinds of rigmarole. And the other thing is that I didn't do was one year, one quarter or something. You had to like re-up your financial aid and I didn't do that. So I didn't pay for like a quarter and they were like, yeah, you're, I, I'm so shocked i graduated i don't know what was happening they were like yeah you have to pay for school you had to do some real tap dancing to my to parents graduate like, yeah <laughs> i i remember that but i don't yeah i i'm sort of scared to look at the grades i don't yeah i mean whatever it's like a grade in acting school is just kind of funny that's as true a concept. that's true you know yeah. it, it should probably be and maybe at some schools it is pass fail you know it, it just should be pass fail like you either got it or you didn't get it you either right. put forth effort or you didn't right um so that's kind of wow funny. okay an update on surprises because last week i was saying like i'm open to oh yeah 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 a surprise and it worked which is to say i think pretty much not that like some big surprise came falling out of the sky, like is what the thing that I was really after, but instead I did, I took my own advice and like pursued doing something differently. And on Saturday we ended up, um, I just on Friday night when Aaron came home, I said, I want to have fun tomorrow. Woo-hoo! I don't care what we do, but I've got to get out of this house. I've got to get out of this town. And so he searched up like, fun things to do and he found something which actually was terrible but it didn't matter because it was different and we it was a car it was it it was promoting itself as some like amazing fall festival with all this kind of stuff and it was literally a carnival like the carny trucks amazing amazing like yeah right oh well they had some good marketing yeah, they sure did because it was listed as the number one thing to do in my state this weekend. In the but state, in the state, in the state. But you know, maybe it was a slow weekend, and we had fun anyway. We had fun. We went to a town we'd never been to. We spent time together. You know, it it was fine. It was good. And more importantly, I feel like it it just doing something like that engenders like, okay, what else can you do right. to mix it up? What else? Can, you know. So that, that that was the important thing is that. It opened me up to novelty. Did anyone out? Did anyone get hurt on a ride? No, but the whole time I was like, I bet this is going to be one of those times where one where one of these things is just going to go flying off into the so woods. If you really want to people go, are going to die. If you really want to go down a, a a crazy dark rabbit hole, like yes, I'm obs- I do. Okay, well I'm obsessed with fail videos, fails. You know? Oh, uh huh. If uh-huh. you watch Carnival Fails. Oh my God. And and most of them aren't deadly, thank God. But they're just like where a thing flies off or like like a lot of times what you have is um cell phones going crazy or birds right. like birds attacking people on roller coasters is one of my favorite <laughs> things to watch. It's not that the bird is attacking, it's that the bird is just trying to fucking fly and it runs smack into a person on a roller coaster the best thing you've ever seen but the sad thing is 90% of the time the bird dies you know but like Aww. because the velocity the force is so great but um it's pretty freaking funny because people are filming themselves usually like selfies, oh, right, right. and then all of a sudden a huge pigeon like comes <laughs> so I if love you look, that. so carnival fails is is one thing carnival or like fails. or okay. we're like Someone's standing there, like videotaping their friend on the 
tilt a whirl or whatever the hell it is, and a, a bolt or something goes with it. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, oh, that was a part of the ride. So. It's true. You're standing there as an adult. I mean, as a kid, you're just like, this is the most amazing right. thing ever. But when, as you're standing there as an adult, you just can see like the hinges where things fold up into the, you know, and you're just like, this is just, we're just all hoping that nothing right. bad happens. Here. Right. Right. <laughs> the best you can do is cross your fingers and hope for the best. Right. And the other thing is that I, I'm obsessed with watching is those slingshot videos. Um, so slingshot, oh, where people pass oh, out, my, right? Or pass out or like, people's weaves fall, fly off and like or, or um yeah like people pass out but i like when things fly off or when yeah. um just people say really weird stuff or like yeah but those slingshots are horrible they look horrible I would never i would never and they're mostly in, in florida years. of course of course where i'm sure many people have been slung right off into an alligator pit never to be seen again oh that's crazy okay so the the big Oh, thing that changed for me uh, since I last talked to you and I'm fighting the urge since yesterday to call you like, what? Save it for the podcast, save it for the podcast. Well, the, I wrote down the headline is I'm going to do this in a politic way. Organization on the brink of collapse elects new leadership to ensure its future spends next two years undermining their every effort says leadership. We quit. I have quit the organization organization that I have dedicated a lot of hours to serving and it happened after yeah it happened after a meeting (gasps) last night that went left and it didn't even honestly as these things are it didn't even go as left as it's gone there's been times where it's gone so much further askew but all of us just had it and actually after our interview today i have we have an emergency meeting to to talk about it but my decision is made i'm i quit i fully quit like i'm i'm happy to help with the transition or whatever and yeah what happened inside like how did you come to the like what happened inside of you yeah so this is kind of like a combination just like what I wanted to talk to you about and then also what I wanted to run by you because you know I just wrote that blog post about like how I am examining myself in relationships and how I sometimes in the past have just you know one day just up and left And, and the first time I did that that felt the way that actually this thing felt last night was when I broke up with my first boyfriend in high school, it was literally like I was asleep. I shot up out of bed, like in a movie. And I said, I've got to break up with this guy. And I got my clothes on and I got in my car and I drove over to his house and I walked into his house. I didn't knock the door. I walked in the house. He was in the bathroom getting ready. I, I had a little box of his shit. I go, here bye i walked he's following me oh gina what's the matter what's the matter and i left i mean we we did speak after that and actually i had a couple of really crazy incidents with him even like later in life when i ran into him as an adult but um and you know that was terrible of me to do that was terrible but now i understand that was because i lacked the ability to say along the way i don't like this and i don't like that and just kind of kept putting up with it and putting up with it 
And I think my big takeaway from how I conducted myself in this organization is that I, I put up with stuff and put up with stuff that I really should have found more backbone mm -hmm. along the way to say, I don't like the way you're talking to me. Mm. I don't like the way you're treating me. And in fact, uh, the group of people that I work with that I'm basically the leader of, you know, they were constantly expressing to me that they felt really abused by this group. And I would validate that and listen to them and agree with them. But then when it came time to going back to the group, I fell short of saying, this will not stand. Mm. You know what I mean? I never did that. I never mm. put my foot down and said, this, that's enough. Mm -hmm. Because I was trying to do it in this way that I feel you're kind of supposed to do as a leader of something. You're supposed to keep a level head. And you know, it's really, frankly, it's a lot like being a therapist. You take people's projections and you take their shit and you, and you're able to see, okay, this thing is about me. This thing is mm -hmm. not about me. This mm -hmm. is just you projecting your shit onto me. And you try to like, keep it moving for sure. the good of right. the group. Right. And it's not that we never responded with like, this is not okay. Feedback. Yeah. yeah. But it, I mean, obviously it didn't work. It didn't get us right. to where we needed to go. So we ended the meeting yesterday. I stayed on and talked to my cohort. I said, you guys, I'm, I'm done. And there was, were there seven of us and only um, four of us were, were talking after or five of us. So there was two people who had no idea, but, but four of us said, we're ready to, we're ready wow. to. Wow. And I spent three hours last night writing a letter that just basically told the whole history and laid it out exactly why, you know, and I wrote it as like, we came to this decision. I don't know if we're sure. all coming to this decision because sure. we have to have our meeting later. And I just laid it all out. And I just said, you know, basically we're at cross purposes here. Like you asked us to do something that we are doing and you don't like the way we're doing it. So it's fundamentally not going to work out. Wow. I was all revved up. I stayed awake until 2.30. I'm sure. Yeah. I've been there. Mm -hmm. Got three hours of sleep. Holy shit. Woke up feeling great. Oh, God. Feeling like, yes. Hey, let me run this by you. like yeah i i mean i think that when things something isn't working yeah i've always struggled with knowing when to when to leave something and like when to i i never knew okay like even stupid shit like staying home sick from school so like my mom always taught us, like you never do that unless your like hand is falling off. And even then you try to go. But right. so then in my adult life, when I never knew when was the time to, to listen to yourself. Yeah. Or to call it quits. <laughs> yes. Right. Right. To listen to myself or like was I and I always second guessed myself for a long time. And I, even like like I remember having like a date, you know, with with a, a friend or a 
she was more like a mentor, like an authority figure. That's always when it gets really kicked up. And I didn't know, like, if I was sick or just wasn't feeling off, should I cancel? Would they be mad at me? Would I, could I take care of myself? What did taking care of myself look like? Because sometimes, and people would say, like, people, would, I would ask for advice and they'd say, sometimes taking care of yourself means staying home. Sometimes it means uh, push through a little bit. I never knew what, what how to do that. So I never had a gauge. So it sounds like you're learning finally too, like, or like you're coming to the thing of like, this, this is not, um, right. This is not working for me. And, and, and I'm going to make a, a bold move and I'm going to stick by that bold move. And also knowing that like, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a move that, um, Right. That you can back up that you feel done and that you don't need to um, ask for reassurance or like try to, but that you're done. I mean, I think that's really great. I mean, I think it's part of being a self-actualized adult to know when something's over and, and why it's over and how to do it right, how to end it right by you, for you. Yeah. Versus like the right thing that people want you to do. Oh, 100% that. And that thing that you're describing about this way that we need to be able to differentiate when I'm just feeling avoidant versus when I really need to, that is such a crucial part of a person's development. And I can say as a parent, it's pretty hard to teach because you're like, I don't know, do you really feel sick or do you really just not want to go to school? Like it's, it's tricky. I, I I, mean, I can't imagine doing that with someone else because I, I literally am just now learning at 46 how to do it with myself. So like, mm-hmm. like you, I can't imagine being because the second guessing, it's so interesting. It's like it's like my my growing up. It was. Yeah, it was literally like you, you didn't ever you always muscled through. But I guess the the the. Um, And it's like, how do you know that muscling through is too much? What is the answer? Like, you're dead? Like, that's going to be how you found out? Like, I remember, and it wasn't just my parents. Like, I remember my aunts, my aunts had a cleaning business. Okay, my mom's sister and her and her wife, or at the time, her girlfriend, they had a cleaning business. So they cleaned people's houses. And at the end of, I think it was, I don't know which, some play I was in at the Ruskin, it must have been, I, I think it had to be, it wasn't Yellow Boat, so it had to be this other search for delicious. Anyway, I was really sick. And, you know, obviously we we still do performances when we're sick. That's another thing that needs to change, right? And they're trying to change. People are trying to change. Anyway, I'm sick as a dog and I, I'm sick as a dog and I um I had to schlep my shit from the Merle Ruskin. And the next day I was supposed to clean houses with my aunt. Like I was helping her. She gave me like a part-time job, but I'm so sick. And the night before I call, I'm literally like like um hacking up blood it turned out oh i had pneumonia God. and i had to go to the, like yeah it was oh it was God. crazy but my aunt was so mad at me that i had to bail she shamed me she was like i can't believe you let me down i literally can't talk and she's and she and you know she was the adult and i was a young adult but she was anyway the point is it, it wasn't just my parents it's a whole thing of like how could you leave us 
Oh, we're going to have to talk about this with Molly Smith Metzler, who we're going to be talking to in like a, maybe next week or the yeah. week after, who's the creator and showrunner of uh, May yeah. television series that's based on a book because this theme comes up in that series. And it's, it's something related also to, I don't know, I, I don't really remember if you told me that your mom's family grew up with money or without money, but without, that, with, with, and then without. So they, they had it yeah. in Colombia and they didn't have it here. Yeah. So people uh, without money, I mean, it's, it's true. The, the decision about muscling through it is really usually one about survival. Like you don't have the option, but for people who are, you know, in our situation now, I mean, I think the only way you really learn that for yourself, whether you should stay and muscle through or not is with experience of, well, this time when I didn't feel like doing something and then I did it, I felt better this time when I didn't feel like something doing something and I did it, I felt worse. Like, and just trying to build up the data to say, this is an example of a time, like just, just the ability to be able to, th at, at our age, we've had enough experience that we can think through almost any set of, you know, like, okay, well, if I go to this thing, like, I think you were talking about, you, M Miles was at the hospital getting checked out for a possible recurrence of his cancer and you were doing a reading. Oh, oh, it it, it was the work. It was insane. I was in the chapel at the hospital trying to memorize lines for a fucking 10 minute play reading that was supposed to be on book. And then they told me it was off book. And that then you weren't getting paid for. No. That wasn't going to advance your career in any way. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. This is. And, and so the, the thing I really want to run by you is about like moments of clarity and really you can't force a moment of clarity it to me, or maybe you can, I can't, it just comes to you. you. You know, it just, you, it just comes to you for me. It comes to me in a moment and it just feels like unambivalent. There's no question. This is what I have to do. This is what I can't do. This is what I can do. And I think the only way you get there is with time. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I mean, I think it's time and I think you're right. I think it's like trying it out. Like I tried this, it went horribly wrong or I tried this and it, yeah. And also, yeah, I think, right. There was this thing too of like, there's also this thing I feel, and maybe this also goes back to the, uh, the working class. I don't know what it is, but it's like people wanting to end things the quote right way. So like my, my mom was always big. I'm like, you know, or, and my dad about like having a conversation, like having to sit down with people and say, Hey, this is how I feel. And like, it was a cop out to like send an email or a cop out to, but I think that's also kind of garbagey. Like people end things the way they can end them in the moment. And they, I don't know. I don't hold it against people for ending things the way, look, it would it be great if we could have closure and like stuff like that. But like, what if, 
I don't know. I'm just like all for now people doing things the way that they feel like in the moment they need to do them. Like, I don't like I used to get into like, I remember like leaving a sponsor relationship and she was so she was not well in my my view. And she was and I sent her an email and she really wanted to have a sit down. And yes, there's two things are true. Like I was really scared to sit down with her and tell her like, I think you're fucked up and this isn't working for me or whatever. But I also didn't feel safe enough to do that. Yeah. Yes. That's the other thing is if we lived in a world where it was a given that everybody was being up, um, forthright and honest and was themselves in constant dialogue about their strengths and weaknesses and was being you know if we lived in a world where everybody was operating from a basic level of like honesty and good intentions then this problem would be much easier to (laughs) these types of problems would be much easier to resolve because you'd say well i mean it just would be a given like of course, nobody would want to see me suffering to do. Of course, they'd rather, you know, but you can't, that's not the situation in most cases. So you literally can only rely on your own understanding of yourself in any given context. Right. And I know that there's, there's the, there, that looking back, I wish I had um, ended things differently in a lot of different ways, but I did what I, I, I did what I could, you know, I did what I could, but I just remember being like, my, my dad being like, you know, you should really sit down with them and talk to them and being like, you know, why? Like, okay, I, I hear what you're saying. So when people, yeah, I think, I think, um, being willing to have conversations and having hard will being willing and open and available to having hard conversations with people is so much more difficult than people make it out to be because like you're saying it take it has all it takes in it's all these things come into play it's not just like i'm going to be a mature adult and do this the quote right way it's like what am i willing to hand what can i handle you know what what can i handle and you know in some cases if the issue is really contentious it becomes it you know if i sit down with this person and really try to they might actually further harm me. Like I've, I've already had that experience with some people in this group that, where I've decided, okay, the approach is I have to call this person. Right. I have to say, Hey, we're, you know, not seeing eye to eye. And a couple of times when I did that, it turned out fine. Right. And a couple of times when I did that, I thought, why did oh. I do that? Yeah. <laughs> like not just that was bad for me, but that was bad for them. And I feel like I, I feel like I took a several steps backwards just because this person was mentally unwell and unable to have like a reasonable back and forth in a conflict. Right. So it's, it's, it's a lot more complicated, I think, than people, uh, people think. And also, right. When you're done, you're done. And when you're done, it's like, how can I extricate myself and not try to cause further harm to other people, but also not try to cause further harm to myself. Yeah. Yeah. Which is literally you're the only person who can do that. Right. That's nobody else's (laughs) job, right? That's nobody else's job. Holy shit. Well, congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. So how are you doing? Well, this is, I'm, I'm pretty good. I'm on, um, this is so weird. I don't even know. I don't think I told you this last Wednesday. I had a zoom. Look, I haven't had any auditions in a long time. Last Wednesday I had a zoom audition for a a film uh, uh, being shot in Chicago 
And um, <laughs> of course. <laughs> and now I'm on I'm on hold for it. I'm on check avail for it. Okay. And okay. It, it films in Chicago and it's a big film and it's I'm like, what? So what if it's gonna start filming like on one, the one year anniversary of the day you guys went there and then had to stay for three months. Well, the thing is, it starts filming Monday, but I, oh, oh, yeah, and it, for a month, but I, okay. I, I, my part is super, super small. So I doubt I, I'm thinking it's a one or two day shoot if I book it, okay. but that okay. felt, and you know, the difference of, I mean, I feel like petrified um, of getting it because I'm, I'm just. I'm really, you know, that's my first go-to, but um, I also felt like it was the first time in an audition where I um, was like, you know, like how, and we talk about this on here, but like, how willing am I to treat myself like shit? I'm not anymore as much. So like, no matter what happens, if I, if I, you know, I'm not even sure I want to be an actor. Right. So, so I, I have to get clear about that. I, 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 so if I'm not really sure that this is my life's path, then, then, then the reason that I'm scared is definitely old stuff of being approved of and making a fool of myself and feeling like, um, all is lost if I screw up. Like, so that's what I'm working with. It's not so much that this is my dream and I want so badly to be in this film that I'm so nervous. It is old stuff, which doesn't mean that it makes it easier, but it's just clear. So I'm getting clear. So I was like, all right, if that's the case, then how can I work with that? And I just, I just had, I was like, you know what? I'm not going to pretend that I don't care because I do, but I'm also not going to, I, I just put my foot down in terms of beating, being, being cruel to myself. I put my foot down. I said, I am not, I am not willing to berate, belittle and hurt myself if I screw this up or if I don't get it, or if I do get it, I am not no longer willing. I'm just going to have to set some boundary with myself about my, my, um, how far am I willing to go with my, with my weirdness, craziness and, and, um, self-abuse. And I just, so I didn't go there and now Good. I'm on track of ale. I mean, you know, it's like, it, 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 I'm not saying yeah. they're totally related, but I'm just saying like, it but makes sense way, to me. Yeah. It makes so, sense. Cause every yeah. time you go further and that's been the case, like over the last year that we talked about this, every time you, you're like, I don't, I, you let it go it, all of a sudden and it, just like know, it advances. Yeah. And like, no matter, I think that for me, the freedom lies in no matter how badly I do or think I do, no matter how awful, rotten, I may screw this up in my head or even in real life, screw it up because it happens. I am not willing to treat myself like a piece of shit. Like that's where I got to because I yeah. thought that is the only thing I have control over. Really? Really? The, the evidence shows that I have control and even that is questionable sometimes, but if I'm going to have control or ownership over anything, let it be about how I treat myself as yeah. I go through this experience Like, mm -hmm. or else don't do it or else yeah. not stop auditioning because this doesn't, this is not. And so I thought, okay, okay. Can I, can I, and I, and I, I really was like, I was like, breathe, you know, it's a zoom audition. It's weird. Breathe. And it was just me and yeah. casting. And then I just went right to check avail, but, um, which is great, but, um, two scenes and, and we'll see, but I, I think it just, it's all fodder for like, can I put, can I stop treating myself terribly? 
Well, we know one thing for certain. You can never go wrong when that's your guiding principle. You can go wrong when your guiding principle is, will they like me and is it okay and am I good enough? And, you know, but you'll never go wrong with when you're trying to set, when you're just trying to do something intentionally. I mean, that's kind of what we're talking about is like being extremely intentional right. in, instead of reactive about right. how do I want to wend my way through the situation? What do I want my, I, this is just a concept that I really am new to. What do I want out of this situation? How do I want to reflect back on how I conducted myself? Forget about what I want them to do. Right. You know, because that's what I've been focused on my whole life is what, what I want the other person to do. Right. how can I make, how can I, how can I, yeah, make this easier for them, better for them, read their mind, do what they want me to do. And I'm like, oh my God, that, that, that not only forget, it's not, it can't happen because in my make-believe mind that, that, that doesn't come into play, but it, it, it feels terrible and it, and it increases my anxiety and depression because it's so, um, it's so unattainable. So at least if I, I, if like you said, like if I'm the, if I'm the problem, right. If I'm the problem, that means that I'm also inside of me is also the win, the solution, the success, you know, that thank God. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Thank God. Yeah. That's the best news. So I have, I actually was just a couple of days ago, thinking about you and your career paths and, and, (laughs) and, and like the things that you have described to me, like you, you basically pursued acting because of your relationship with this other person who you wanted to emulate. And then you basically, uh, you know, got the job as the, as the Hollywood assistant when somebody else came. I mean, it was all kind of, you know, not, maybe not that intentional. And I, I remember having like kind of a aha thought about it. I should have written it down because it's not occurring to me right now, but it was something about like, maybe it was just that the further she goes in figuring out the basic questions about what she really likes and what she really wants, this is going to be less and less of a thing. Like you're the thing that you, you've said a lot is like, maybe I should work at Seven Eleven. Yeah. Maybe I should work at this bakery. I don't know. There's something to it that I feel, maybe it's that I feel you're really changing for yourself right now. I think I I see you approaching things with a lot more intentionality. Yeah. And you know, what was so crazy is that I think this podcast for us is a way of actually looking at all that stuff. So like, even if the podcast, I mean, I hope it goes, goes global and, but even if it's just for you and I to look at what the hell am I doing who am I? How, how can I make things better for myself and thus be a better, like kinder human, probably for everybody else. Then that was all worth it because it's like, I could not keep going the way I was going and expect to be happy. 
mm-hmm. or even yeah. at peace or even do something fun. Like I had to look at like, wait, 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 what is underneath all this? Like I should just work at seven 11. Um, and, and I, you know, and we say this, we've said this before, but like, I want to be clear. Seven 11 is not the problem. I am the problem. Yeah. Right. right. So like yeah. you work at seven 11, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that like, for me, what I'm using that is as an excuse and a, or a tool to try to figure out like, okay, where do I belong? That's what it is. Like, where do I belong? Where do I want to belong? Where can I contribute? But also like you say, like, what do I want? Where do I want to belong? It's actually the, are you my mother phenomenon, you know, but in this case regarding like, where's your place in the world? Instead of wandering around wondering like who's in charge of you or whatever, it's, that it's and which actually they're both the same thing they're both about belonging right um but instead of you making it about i guess that's what it is too it's like instead of you making about another person or another institution or another entity you're you're figuring out where you're guiding your own self where am i guiding myself and like yeah that's just it where do i belong and i don't know yet but i i'm pretty sure it's not at the am pm do you know what i mean like (laughs) i just don't know that that's gonna do it for me no matter how good those hot dogs are, no matter I don't how, think your future is at the end. How, how um, good the deal is, two for one veggie chips, you know what I mean? Like, I just, You know, the, when I went to that AMPM, it was so scary. happening. Like, it, no, it was like, oh. this is a whole vibration. It's a like, whole, so- they, it's like a club. It's like a club and on the weekend. Honestly, that's what I felt like. Mm-hmm. I felt like I walked into... Yes. It's a, a dance whole... club with no music and the lights were really bright. Yeah, it's fluorescent. <laughs> it just... It's crazy. It's but the same vibe. Like you're like, this is a whole scene here. Like you all know each other. Right. And right. Like they do. Of, there's really a lot of back and forth. Yeah. And yes. <laughs> yes. I think about that all the time at gas stations, by the way. Because the people who work at gas stations, I think, tend to be people who are in transition. Yes. You know, so and I just observe so much like I love the idea that in any place I am visiting in a transitory fashion, there's a whole entrenched, you know, rich, yes. layered history and culture and, yes. and, 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 and that, that I just don't have any idea about no. because how could I? It's fascinating it's to fa- think about that. Well, though. that's why you're a good writer, too. It's like you get in there and you can like observe and like create wor- like it's a whole world that's there yeah that i'm that that to be curious fun to be curious Curious about about. today on the podcast we talked to amar derisi amar is originally from jordan grew up in michigan got his bfa and his mfa and is a fan of Shakespeare, has some great Shakespeare series that you can check out through his website. And we enjoyed talking with him about what his lasting impressions are of attending theater school. So please enjoy. Oh, uh. <laughs> so Amar Derisi, uh, congratulations! You survived theater school. Thank you. Yes, I did. Woohoo! You survived it twice because you got I your did. BFA in Michigan, right? right. And then mm-hmm. your MFA at DePaul. That's correct. So you must have been very committed to being an actor from high school or earlier. 
Yes, that is correct. I think high school is where I got the bug. Uh, some teacher encouraged me to be in the school play. And I'm like, uh, I don't know. No, no, you have a great personality. You can do it, kid. You can do it. I'm like, all right. And, and as soon as I got on that stage, it was like right there. Uh, it, it was yeah describe uh, it what's the it, feeling that you had it, it's 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 excitement and you get these you know these vibes like oh my god i'm doing something this is fun <laughs> it, it's, it's like an addiction it really is it's like uh anything else i just i just went crazy over oh, really <laughs> i mean i started eating the scenery because i'm just like i'm enjoying yeah. this give me another role at one point i wanted to play like five six seven roles you know because i just said i want to do everything it, it was that much excitement so that's when i decided to really uh pursue this uh, does that career. have anything to do with i don't know something about the way you just said that made me think mm. you were set you were keying into people are listening to me here was yeah. that something you were after People were looking at me. People were watching me. People were doing that. Yes, there to a certain degree. Yes, but you you know not to the point where uh, I want attention. You know, like look at me, look at me. But I wanted I wanted to make people happy, uh, laugh, uh, cry. Uh, you know, do something. It, that was the thing. I think I think what got me was when people reacted to your performance. People then it's like, oh my God, I did that. I did that. Mm -hmm. And that is something that is just, you can't, you can't describe that feeling. It's, it's, it's well, just you, euphoria. It's something yeah. that you said that really sparked a memory of you uh, for me was like that you're, you are, and, and look, this is not everyone. We're not all one-sided, but you are a people person. Like I remember that about you. Like there are some people <laughs> who just like people. I'm a people person yeah. too. But, and I, so I recognize that in other people where I feel like from seeing you around in school and in plays, like you really um, had the ability to connect with a wide variety of different kinds of people. Do you know where that um, came from? If that's true, if you I, identify with that. I, I identify with that. I, I, I make friends with people on the street. Just, I'll just say hi to anybody. You know, I, that's just my nature and my personality. I believe if you say hi to someone, you it just makes them feel better i think hi how you doing oh hi oh hi mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. you know, it kind of surprises them that you know I, I don't have any money leave me alone <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think some people get get pretty uh you know weird about it when somebody uh, like myself says hi where it comes from i can't tell you i think it's just i've always been an outgoing person since i was a kid i remember my parents tell me that uh you know this kid is going to be something he likes to talk to people <laughs> it just i would just talk to people hi, <laughs> hi. And do you have artists in your family uh no i am the only artist you're the first okay yeah, my brother wow. my brother's a doctor my my sister is a is a teacher and an administrator at a school in abu dhabi and okay at the emirates so uh i am the only Artist. It's Artist. always so interesting to think about, like, of course, going back throughout your family's lineage, you're not the only artist. You may have been the only one who, you know, had the opportunity, like it is the case for me, had the opportunity to pursue it, you know, because what I right. found after I decided that I, you know, really wanted to pursue this, it's like, oh, but then my aunt can kind of paint and this one can kind of write a little bit. It just is like, it's not something that they pursued for their, you mm. know, for their regular career, but they're it's a privilege, I guess, that we 
you know, got a chance in school and after to pursue it. And you had some great, you were in some great plays, Romeo and Juliet, Landscape of the Body, Journey of the Fifth Uh, Horse. That's right. Oh my God. I still have that picture of me in the gold lame dress that uh, John Bridges. Send it to us. I'm going to send it to you. Uh, I I got a whole bunch of pictures to send to you today. So I was rummaging through uh, the old photo albums and I found a whole bunch of DePaul pictures, but yeah. yeah, that was a uh, that was an interesting play, uh, Landscape of the Body. Uh, it was just uh, a fun a fun play, a fun play to do. Now, did you you said that you got the bug early on uh, because mm-hmm. a teacher sort of encouraged you? Then how did that grow into? Because I'm always um, interested in like, okay, so you're in a play, and I'm sure that it, you you know you were magnificent, and they but how did it? People loved you, and you loved it. But how did that transform into like I'm going to go to a conservatory because that place was you know DePaul the conservatories are crazy so how did you open a conservatory (laughs) okay this is a good story I'm glad you asked this (laughs) uh no I was I was doing a play in Flint Michigan uh and the lead actress uh her and I were backstage and we were just chit-chatting before our next uh it was I think it was during intermission to uh but anyway it doesn't matter uh she actually she goes well are you going to go to grad school are you going to continue your your journey and i said i'm not sure i thought i'd just stick around maybe do some theater around here she goes no 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 you should really go there's this place called depaul university it's a great school you should go and check it out i said really i said where's it chicago okay well you know sure i go to my my professors at my undergrad school and they paid for the uh, application fee i mailed it in and i think within I think within a few weeks, I got my appointment to audition for the school. Oh my and gosh. I just went, and it was in January, in the dead of winter. <laughs> I'm in oh Michigan. Well, but you were used to it, Michigan. Yeah, nine feet of snow as we're driving to Chicago. <laughs> and I'm oh like, my, my friend God. and I. But yeah. Um, was it the only place you applied? Uh huh. It was the only place you applied for grad school? I applied at Purdue University as well. I got accepted at both, uh, both places, the, and it was Purdue or, or Chicago, uh, DePaul. But I think uh, with Purdue, you're in the middle of nowhere. It's God's country out there. There's just the school, and that's it. Where you had the theater school in Chicago and a vibrant city. Uh, it was very infectious and scary at the same time. Uh, but that's when. I met the infamous John Bridges. <laughs> How was your audition, Amar? How was your audition? I thought I blew it. To be totally honest with you, I thought I blew it. I did. Uh, I did a classical and I did a, a contemporary. Obviously, Joe Slovic, John Bridges, and I believe Betsy Hamilton were my my uh, auditioners, if you will. Yeah. And uh, I thought I did okay with the classical. The contemporary was. Mm, kind of thing again i you know green to the business didn't know how to actually present a monologue or you know my teachers back in undergrad just say look just put them together just stop and blah 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 or just you know they you know they told me what i had to do but uh i just remember saying goodbye and thank you for the time and joe slowick was you know okay good, good job good job you know you have a great journey back home and i said okay and my friend goes, how did it go? And I'm like, ah, forget it. I'm going to Purdue. Wow. <laughs> wow. I'm going to Purdue. And then, and then, uh, shoot, I auditioned on a Saturday in January. I get the letter on a Tuesday. 
And I remember hey, my friend goes, hey, you got this letter from DePaul. Why don't you open it? I said, ah, it's BS. They're just telling me they're not going to accept me. Look, I'm going to open it. I, I was about to rip it. And I said, open it, just open it. And I'm like, oh, here, here, let me read it to you. Here, I'm going to decline you. You have been formally accepted to this. <laughs> Oh my God, that's amazing. That's As a amazing. side note, do you, guys, do you guys know that in today's day and age, when kids get their acceptance, it's an email, obviously. And right. in a lot of schools, or maybe even most schools, when they open the email, if they got accepted, it's a confetti graphic. So like, they know as soon as they open it, if there's confetti, they got I just it's so it's so wild, right? Like the things that they they, they could never imagine having to wait in for, for a letter a letter to come in the mail. Yeah, I but, agree. But you did BFA, so why why are you saying you kind of were green? You knew about acting. I mean, I knew about acting. It's I I, I didn't know the the uh, what we call the business affairs of acting, the mechanics of acting. I guess I think. You know, we all experience this, I'm sure, guilty as charged. You know, when you're young and you're an actor, you really don't pay attention to a lot of things. You just want to, you know, you want to act, you want to do a performance, you want to do the best you can, of course. But then you also want to party afterwards and do all the things that sure. young people do. And I, I, and I think I was talking to one of my fellow actors the other day, and he asked me, if you were to go back to grad school, what would you change or I, what would you, what would have helped you? And I said, have a class that teaches the business of acting. Okay, these actors yeah. are going into Hollywood, they're going to New York, they're going whatever. Teach them the basics of what the business of acting is. They got to know what a contract looks like. They got to know what business affairs mean. They got to know all this terminology. They got to know all this stuff. If I had known that, that would have been a great tool for me coming to L.A. Coming to L.A., I was green as, green as a shamrock, you know, just green. And Ooh. I had to learn the hard way. What, um, and we'll get back to the LA part, but I'm like yes. so curious about, okay, so you get into DePaul right. and then when, and usually Beans asks this, but I'll ask this, like when you All get right. there, how did it match up to what you were thinking? Were you like, what the hell is going on? Why am I rolling on the floor to music or what? <laughs> How did you feel? I had no idea what was going on. And that I think scared, you know, on a side note, Chicago scared me. I was homesick for, for a, quite a bit of time uh, before school started. I got to, I, I moved to Chicago, I think three weeks before school started. So there was three weeks where I did not know anybody, did not know Aww. the school. I didn't know, oh, I was, I was in bad shape. And thank God for friends and family, of course, you know, they call and man, you sound depressed. What's wrong? I said, dude, I'm by myself in Chicago. I don't know anybody. I don't know the city. It's a big city. It's like Flint uh -huh. times 20. <laughs> it's like, it's huge. But, but I think I, to, to answer your question about the school, when the first day of school, wow, what a <laughs> Betsy Hamilton's class. I'm like buoyancy and oh, all God. this stuff. And I'm like, what the hell is she doing? <laughs> <laughs> this buoyancy, famously, and, and then it clicked. And then I'm like, okay, I know what she's doing. All right, okay. Joe Slowick acting class? Woo! <laughs> I'm doing a good idiot. I'm out, I'm out, come here, come here, I'm out. Okay, I'm out, you can't do that, okay? You gotta do it this way, okay, go. <laughs> this little Polish guy is running around this class and he inspired me. <laughs> I'm like, this is 
beautiful. <laughs> this man in his 70s is running around like he's a guy in his 20s. He loves acting, Grabkowski, all that stuff, and it was amazing. But um, we didn't have him, so he he was real hands on. Like he got he up. He was hands on. He was. I mean, I I won the lottery with Joe Slovak. Uh, not not to say anything uh, negative about Jim Osloff or anything like that, but he was just he was on hands, and he really gave you a, when he gave you a note. He gave you a note. <laughs> okay, you know, he's like Amar. Okay, your legs, I don't know why your feet are doing that on the chair. It's like, uh, it's not, it's not, that's an ism of yours. We gotta, you gotta, yeah, that's wow. gotta go. <laughs> yeah, he, 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 like your feet, your feet, your body, your your body is your instrument. And, you know, wow. got to learn all this stuff. And it's just, woo, graduate school. <laughs> this is graduate school. So, yeah, yeah, yeah that was a, a couple of experiences. I'm trying to think. Uh, Did you like it? Did you feel like you fit in? Did you, did you, what was your, what was your vibe like there? Unfortunately, my vibe started to change uh, in year two. That's when I started to feel, um, uh, not that things weren't clicking for me or anything like that, but it just seemed like uh, favorites started to appear. Oh. Okay. You know, it's like, uh, uh, it happens. It's not something that, sure. you know, it's done intentionally. It just happens. But it, 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 I, I, if you guys remember Eric Hayes, Eric Michael Hayes. Oh, the name rings him? a bell. I haven't thought Blonde about him in a while. Blonde yes. hair. He was in Trojan Women, I think. Yes. He was like, yeah. yes, 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 yes. So he became a Him favorite. and I were, yeah, him and I, no, no, him and I be, were, were unofficially the outcasts of the graduate class, more or less. No, no, don't. <laughs> we were, we were not that, not that we were mistreated or anything. I'm not saying that we were mistreated by. It just, it just seemed like we were known as the two actors that really didn't take things seriously. And I, I think that's a fallacy because, I think I was taking it very seriously. I was just bored at times. I wanted to act. I didn't want to sit in a classroom all day and just sit. I wanted to perform. I think. I think I understand the classroom format where you sit down, you watch your colleagues do their scenes, but I was getting, you know, fidgety, bored. itchy, you know, yeah. bored, bored. And mm. to the point where you dread going to school. It was like, oh, oh, I gotta go to acting class and sit there for two and a half hours and watch people act, you know, which right. I mean, again, again, that didn't sound right coming out, but I mean, it's just, I, I loved all I loved all my classmates. I loved all my classmates. I think from Derek Smart to Eric Hayes, Denise Odom, Heather Ireland, to name a few. You know, uh, they they were fantastic. Pat Tiedemann, Kendra, oh. remember? <laughs> I mean, and one of my I, let me I'm, a side note. One of my favorite favorite times in DePaul was with you, Gina. What? Yeah. Do you remember you and I starred in a film I I did? <laughs> Say what? <laughs> no, I do not. What? You guys remember Bill Burnett, the voice in New Yeah. Movie? Okay, so uh, for our, for my final exam, I wanted to film a short film about quitting smoking, and oh, I yeah, what I yeah, this is coming back to me. Wait a minute. 
you were you, you were asking me i had to, i rented a camera from the video department on the campus and i walked into the lobby of the theater school and you were there and it's like i need to shoot a scene it's like oh let me be in it and i said okay we'll just improv and we'll just talk about quitting so we set the camera and you and i sat in the lobby and we filmed it and we did it i think i still have it i'll find it oh, for you and if i do i'll must send, it. send it to me that was a okay. that was 1994. I have to tell you something because I know you haven't been able to listen to the podcast because our website had a broken link. Okay. But what what I should tell you is that Boz and I have huge memory gaps about our time. Okay, gotcha. There are many things we do not remember. Uh, I mean, Me too. many things. Me but too. Me what, too. What, what, what's kind of weird is I sort of remember this film that you were yes. in, Gina. Yes. Really? Okay. Or hearing about it. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I believe you. I believe both of you are just. Oh, no, you were in it. You were in it. Okay. Yeah. How exciting. I, I'll I mean, find him. You know why I would really love that is because just last week I was saying to Boz, wouldn't you like the opportunity? Because nothing was re recorded, really. You right, know, not right. even our showcase, or if it was, it's not something I ever saw. No. Wouldn't you like to go back and just watch yourself? Because now we've spent basically a year and a half fully immersed we have talked to 55 people about wow. what their theater school experience is so we we are getting back on board with what it was and we're slip yeah. you know different people fill in like a little bit of blanks right, but right. now i like now i'm just cu so curious about you know what 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 was the experience of me what was i like at that time and a lot of people don't remember us so well, we haven't I mean, really gotten this feedback from a lot yeah. of people I mean, I remember Boz. I remember all you guys. I do remember a lot. Of, and there's a lot of people I don't remember. I mean, I yeah. think when I was on your website the other day, you know, trying to figure out yeah. what you're like, and it, which is, I congratulations to the both of you. I think it's awesome. Oh, thank um, you. I saw Tate Smith. I saw a picture yeah. of Tate Smith, and I completely... That's Tate Smith! Right. It was stuff like that. You know, you're running into people that... Wow, amazing. I'm sorry. Well, go ahead. I interrupted no. you. No, no, no. Um, I was just gonna ask, like, what was your okay? So, so year two, you started getting itchy and like, but how mm -hmm. did you feel? We talk a lot about like casting. How did you feel about your casting in shows? Like, Terrible. You, okay. Terrible. Which, Terrible. which most people do. Like, there's been like one person that we've talked mm -hmm. to Terrible. that was like, I loved my casting, but everyone else is like, I fucking hated it. Nope. I often hated it. I hated it. Okay. And again, like I said, the the. It happens. I think. I think a lot of the uh, directors, the professors who are directing and all that, were just picking their favorites. They're not. Yeah. If we're going to be in a learning environment, then you you should take a risk with me, with yes. somebody else, with with Heather. I think nobody was taking any risks, and everyone's like, "Hey, I got to put on a show, and it's got to be the best show I possibly can, mm -hmm. and I'm going to use the best actors, or that, mm -hmm. you know, my opinion, the best actors." And it's like, you know, you know, if you're you're not preparing us for the real world, you know, no. if you're going to do this. You know this blind casting, whatever. I thought. I thought, hey, it's a learning. Huh? I'm sure. I'm sure one of. I'm sure Jim Osloff will cast me. Never did. Joe mm -hmm. Slowick cast me. Um, you know, uh, in his uh, Journey of the Fifth Horse, uh, it was a a great experience for me. That's when you learn. I didn't want to be the lead role. I want to learn. Right. I want to learn. Teach me. Teach me what it's like to perform on a stage that would typically be a stage from New in, in New York or a main stage in Chicago. That's what we got to learn, right? Yeah. No, terrible. That, that's another thing that we've really uncovered here. And it, by the way, it makes perfect sense. I'm really not maligning anybody, but right. that the 
professors, you know, they, they were also trying to express their own artistic desires through the projects that they were casting. And I'm sure nine times out of 10, they got carried away with their own ego about what they wanted to, like, actually, we just heard this story um, from the episode that's airing today with Stephen Davis. Oh, wow. I who, love Stephen Davis. Yeah. He's awesome. Yeah, you guys, it's a great episode. You gotta listen to it. Oh, yeah. So he, he begged the theater school to do Shakespeare. He begged them to do Romeo and Juliet, which mm -hmm. they did. Yep. He, he really wanted to be Romeo. He didn't right. get cast. And he was told, if I had cast you, I would have had to go, uh, gone with my fourth choice for, for Juliet. Because of the height. Because Karen Mould is very tall. Right. That's a perfect example of something that should be okay in theater school. Yes. I understand you don't right. want to do it when you're charging $400 a ticket on Broadway. Or, or in a film where the camera is going to be jacked up. But like... But but just cast. What are you talking? And sometimes, and sometimes I would think that, and maybe they do it now. Like sometimes you would say, "Why not know?" Because it's obvious when someone wants a role, right? Mm -hmm. so, so whoever wants this role so badly for whatever reason, they've never been cast in whatever. Give them right. the role. Let them do the role. Like right, how? Right. Like maybe it's maybe it's not it's a long shot but that's what school's about is long shots and learning right so I, like I when totally I, agree right it's like let let the person do the you know they're dying to play romeo just let them play romeo yeah yeah okay and um excuse me if 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 you don't mind uh you know not you guys of course but i'm just saying um the play was set in the middle east right a, right very that uh, last very time i that. checked i'm jordanian right. yeah Right. Yeah. I would right. love to play Romeo. Right. <laughs> you know? Well, here's Lord that's Capulet. My other... Lord Capulet. That's, yes. Oh, well, he was that's... Jewish. I'm sorry. He was the Jewish character. Uh, but yeah, I, I get it. I totally get it. I totally get it. And, and I agree with Stephen on this one because it just seemed like it seemed like we are in a learning environment and let's learn. And if you're right. going to if you're going to just cast people because whatever. whatever. Then, then what's the point of going to the to the freaking school and spending spending sixteen thousand dollars a year? I don't know what it is today, but it's, like, four, it's like forty eight or some craziness. Okay. Well, here I am. I'm still paying student loans <laughs> oh, to this day me for, too. for three years right. of three years of uh, you know every now and then some BS. Okay. Right. Other than that, you know the the two best teachers that I had over there, arguably, is Dr. Bella Itkin and Joe Slowick. And I think because they come from, uh, you know, such interesting backgrounds, you know, Joe Slogan being Polish, you know, Bella can be in a Russian Jewish woman. Oh, I got a lot of stories about her. Oh, my God. Please <laughs> tell did us. She, did, you, did she help you? Do you feel like she helped you as a teacher? Oh, she was, she, she, um, she, I am in, in her debt, you know, when it comes to acting and stuff like that. I think, I think she finally i think she was the one that I, finally i realized what it's like to feel the you know like with the apple and the, you know i didn't know it's like the pandora box thing that she was talking about and then it just like a light bulb over my head it's like oh my god the feel what it's like to be in winter you know even though you're on the stage and it's hot you got to perform like as if it's 40 below zero she really that 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 technique that acting technique was just incredible i am forever in her debt and she is awesome she's an honor. may she rest in peace and uh a couple of great stories about her is one that when 
she would like to meet her students before class. So we will walk into her office and talk. And I'm sitting there in the office. She's looking at the here. She goes, oh, so Ahmad. Ahmad? Ahmad. Okay. Ahmad. Uh, oh, Ahmad. It doesn't sound English. I said, oh, well, it's, it's Jordanian. I'm from the Middle East. It's Jordanian. She goes, oh, well, you know, I'm Jewish. <laughs> I said, I said, <laughs> and I remember talking to my dad. I said, I said Dad, I, I have to talk to this Jewish uh, professor. Just say we're cousins, okay? Because we are practically cousins. Just yes. say that. Don't rock the boat, okay? Okay. <laughs> I'm like, okay. So when she said that, you know, I'm Jewish. And I said, well, well, yeah, I do. I do. I, but, you know, being Jordanian and you being Jewish, you know, we're, we're practically cousins. So, you know, it's great, right? So, <laughs> Without a drop of a dime, she goes, well, we might be cousins, but we're not exactly kissing cousins. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. By the way, in case you don't know, I've, I might have mentioned this on the podcast once before. There exists on the Internet a yeah. fantastic interview with Joe Slowick and Bella Itkin. Okay. Was it conducted by Studs Turkle? It might have been I'm gonna look it up. for some radio project. And the okay. two of them talking yeah. about their approaches to acting and to teaching acting. Mm -hmm. hmm, chef's Brilliant. kiss. Really, yeah. really right. good. Yeah, you right. got to check it out. So she really helped. We, we didn't, neither one of us had either one oh, of those yeah. teachers, okay. unfortunately, but we love hearing the she, stories. She was great. And I would give her rights home. Poor thing. You know, oh. she, uh, you know, her husband, Frank, was very ill at the time. And she was like, oh, Mark, can you give me a ride home? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, yes, yes, ma'am. <laughs> and it's like, oh, your car's kind of messy. Like, Would you just get in the car? Wait, now, so you had a car. That's kind of, that's, wasn't that yeah. usual for people in school? Yeah. Did you, and you must have, I guess all the MFAs probably lived in apartments. Or was there any dorm living for MFAs? No, no, no dorm living for MFAs. So we had to live in apartments. And my first apartment was a studio. And then I think the second year I moved in with, uh, with Eric from school. And then we had a former student. I don't know if you remember John Soldani by any chance. Oh, wait a minute. It sounds so familiar. Yeah, he was first year grad. And then I think he was cut from the program after the first year. But he came back to Chicago. So we were roomies. Uh, and then I met my girlfriend, who was also a student at the Oh, wait. Alicia Hall. Alicia, Alicia Hall. Alicia right. Hall. Right. So uh, we we were together. So we moved in together, I think, mid-third year, something like that. I'm not sure. But, um, yeah. And then I stayed in Chicago after graduation. I just decided to stay in Chicago and did get quite a bit of theater in Chicago and then decided to do the L.A. thing. And Okay. So, cool. so I just have a question about yes. what was your experience like of the warning system and the cutting system? Were you okay. warned? Were you, oh, good question. Okay. Good question. Oh, I'm glad you brought that up. Okay. Good question. I think it's, I think it took the attention away from the program because I think all the students were more concerned about the warning, getting warned and getting cut than anything. And that affected their performance in class and it affected their performance on stage. My opinion. Um, I remember some friends of mine who were just scared and I admit I was very, very nervous, but when I didn't get warned, then all of a sudden I was able to concentrate on school. I was like, right, classes where the people that were warned, all they can think about is what I can do to not get kicked out of the class. And then next right. thing you know, it just, it just really, 
really was detrimental to their performance, in my opinion. Because it took uh, the focus off away, the right yeah. thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So you were sure. never warned. Look at you. Never warned. Never warned. I was the only I was the only male that wasn't warned. All the male actors were warned, except for me. <laughs> and we ended up having eight graduate students, three men and five women. Wow. Which, I mean, Derek Smart, Eric Hayes, and myself, and then the five women, Denise Holm, Heather Ireland, Pat Tiedemann, Kendra, I forgot her last name. Thulin. Uh, Thulin, thank you. And... Uh, Alicia. Uh, Alicia. <laughs> no, Alicia was in the other class. Oh, okay. Alicia was in the other. But I remember, do you guys remember a teacher named Susan Lee? Of course. Yes. She, okay. Her name has come up a number a of times on this podcast, yes. <laughs> she was my advisor. Oh. So she was the one that told me whether I was warned or not or kicked out or not. And she said the most peculiar thing, and I'm not sure if it was from the professors, but she said, well, you're not cut, you're not warned, uh, we just don't know what to do with you. <laughs> and I just looked at her. What do you mean by that? You, well, I mean, you're, you're, you know, I don't remember the conversation, uh, ladies, Let me guess, but, did uh, she say that she- Racist, she, she said something racist. racist. Did she say something about being a, 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 from the Middle East or- Yeah, yeah. yeah um something like yeah. that and i said well why don't you why don't you and your professors just cast <laughs> me and find out what you could do right with me. right uh, i mean just because i'm middle eastern doesn't mean i don't know how to act oh my God. <laughs> you know? girl you there <sighs> so wait a minute so wait a minute there's, there's you... more than one professor that kind of oh i'm sure at that point. Well, i'm so sure i'm not yeah. gonna mention any names but uh I mean, there you don't have to, but you could. So, suffice <laughs> it to, yeah, right. Suffice <laughs> it to say that 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 being from the Middle East, mm. my guess is people were assholes <laughs> about it. Yeah. Like, right? Like, well, yeah, racist, racist assholes. Well, I mean, an asshole is going to be an asshole regardless of what race you are. So, you know, you're going to be an asshole. You're going to be an asshole. If you are a mean person, you are a mean person. It has nothing to do with your. Uh, gender your culture where you come from you're, you if you're a mean person you're a mean person having said that there was quite a few people that said some things to me while i was in school which was very offensive but mm -hmm. what do you want me to do fight every person that right. says some kind of you know i was called many things i was called camel jockey i was called by uh, students oh uh, some by students yeah mostly by students you wow. know uh, you know so and i was called too. No, 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 it's okay. Hey, that's, you know, you, you grow from it. Uh, there was, there was one person that called me a word. I, I don't think I can say it on this podcast, but oh. it's, it's like, whoa. <laughs> well, what we've heard so much about from every uh, alum of color that we've talked mm -hmm. to is this thing that you're describing of maybe they even got selected for the program with the idea, oh, you know, we don't have anybody who looks like this in our program. But then it became, we can oh, we don't have anybody find, that looks like them. We can only find a role for that person if it's clearly identified in the text that that person is that ethnicity. Meanwhile, all the white actors could be up for Anything. any role, right? Mm -hmm. That that was sort of the default, like 
if you're white, then you can play anything. But if you're not white, then you then you have to play a role that's written for whatever your ethnicity is. Well, I, you know, I agree with that. And yeah, and I think I think Christina Dare kind of broke the uh, window on that with Romeo and Juliet by casting Leonard Roberts as Romeo, you know, an African-American man. And he was great in the role. He was great. Absolutely. You know, she cast me as, you know, uh, as a Jewish man, you know, even though I'm there. I like that. I, I'm playing against type. This mm -hmm. is, these are the rules that I would like to be challenged with. And unfortunately, I wasn't challenged with over there. And I think the school, to your saying, Gina, I think the school was just kind of like, eh, let's just bring this Middle Eastern guy, see what happens. Uh, let's get this African-American person. Let's see what happens. Let's get this yeah. Indian person. Let's see what happens. And yeah. nothing happened. <laughs> nothing happened. And, uh, and by the third year, by the third year, yeah. I, I was just, I was done. I was done. After, after Shakespeare, Susan Lee, I was done. I was done. She, uh, she was a hard teacher. She was a hard teacher to deal with both academically and, you know, personally. personally, it just, just was hard. It was hard to deal with her. I'm not, I, I, I know probably some students have some harsher words for her, but uh, again, I was going back to what I said earlier. Eric and I, we were pretty much marked by her that we were not serious about Shakespeare. And I was very serious about it. I just wanted, I remember students coming up to me, they tried to avoid being partners with us. And then I had one partner tell me, hey, you better not fool around or do this. You, know, you got to be serious. I said, what the hell is wrong with you? And then when they find out uh, the real me and the real then it's like, wow, that's totally different than what I'm hearing about you. And See, like, because serious yeah. is serious yeah. is my lasting impression of you. I, I would never I have said that you were anything but very serious about what I, you were doing. I appreciate that. I really do. I appreciate that. I was very serious about that. I wanted to go to LA and be a film and television actor. I want to uh, work with these people. I put that in my head. I yeah. mean, theater is great and I love theater and I want to continue doing theater and hopefully I am soon. Uh, I'll fill you in later, but uh, uh, I am ready. I, when I was in, I said, I'm ready to go to LA, okay. ready to do this. And mm -hmm. 1999, I went there as a, to, for a visit and I said, damn, damn it, this is it. I'm not going to deal with, with 20 below zero weather anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Number one. But that was my move, but the theater school, uh, the theater school, I, I just couldn't wait for graduation day. I just couldn't wait. Mm. I just wanted to get out. I wanted to get out. It just, uh, I don't know if you guys experienced it. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure about the four year program. Do you guys have a, an exit acting class that you guys take? Or? Oh, sure. Oh, you do. Jane Alderman. Okay. Mm -hmm. We had Jane uh, Alderman. Okay, we had Jane Alderman too, but we also had Bill Brown. He was an actor that came yeah. in, did that, yeah. And and it just reached a point where the third year, I felt like the school gave up on us on the third year. I think they were just bringing anybody in <laughs> to fill in and just get them out of here. <laughs> like, you know, get them out of here. But Jane Alderman, uh, Jane Alderman uh, uh, was one of my favorite classes because, you know, she cast the show the tv shows whatever that came in the chicago and all that stuff mm -hmm. so you, you stayed you know i just was gonna say ask you stayed in chicago when did you graduate in 90 i graduated in 96 and 96. i left three years yeah i left so three, three years, years later. later so you did theater in between and then you mm -hmm. came uh, to la for a visit and you just straight up stayed yeah no no i went back to move <laughs> so right. i went back 
packed everything I could put in my Honda Accord and drove from Chicago to Los wow. Angeles. I just packed everything I could possibly pack in that little car. And uh, I, um, I remember um, Jane Alderman, uh, she, I would help her out with her uh, auditions. And I asked her if I, you know, what do you think about, you know, me going to LA? I'd like to go. And she looked at me, she goes, oh, Omar, you're not going to make it. And I'm like, yeah. And I said, Jane, come on, that's not nice. She goes, no, no, no. I mean that in full sincerity. It's a tough, it's a tough thing, tough thing out there. And, you know, it, it takes a lot of, you know, guts. And I said, well, I have the guts and I'm going to do it. And your discouragement is all the encouragement I need because now oh, yeah. you challenge me. She wasn't being vicious about it. I mean, she wasn't she being mean about it. She was just being matter of fact. And that yeah. is Jane Alderman. Jane Alderman is matter of fact. You know, she's not going to sugarcoat it for you. She's going to tell you straight out. And that's what I loved about her. I loved about her because she was straightforward. Yeah. You um, you, you didn't feel unclear about where, where, no, where she was no, coming no, from. Yeah. No. I, you know, to me, I think I made it. I've worked on television. I've done a lot of TV. I've done yeah, a lot of films. You have. Tell us all the things. Some, Oh, I, I did a movie with Anthony Hopkins called Bad Company. It was an action-packed uh, thriller, also with Chris Rock. Uh, I've worked with Gary Sinise on Criminal Minds. I've worked with Tommy Lee Jones on U.S. Marshals. I've worked with some A-list actors. I mean, yeah. people that, you know, <laughs> that, hey, big these are big yeah, wigs. Big wigs. So, Guess what? We're going to be interviewing Joe Montana pretty soon. Oh, so. he's my pal. I told him I said hi. I will. We will. <laughs> so I said hi. Oh, yeah. He better remember me. My God, we were the of two course. oldest people during the, you know, we do those alumni things, you know, when the students come for the showcases. So, sure. and we sit down, Joe and I are the oldest, oldest two there. That's funny. That's hilarious. <laughs> Joe sit next to me. Joe is like, Hey Joe, what's going on? I was like, Hey man, <laughs> thank God you're do here you because I was the oldest one. <laughs> do you still do that? Do you still participate in those? Whenever they invite me. So, so what do you think of like the recent crop? Cause we, we've talked to many, many people from our year and we've talked mm. to a handful of people who just graduated or are in their last year, right. but actually we've hardly talked to anybody in between, like people who graduated 10 years ago. Mm. Anything you can share with us about what you observe about subsequent classes that came out to LA after our, after your year? Good question. Um, I did about, I, I think I did about a dozen of these uh, alumni wow. things. Yeah, I did about a dozen. I always tell John Bridges, I said, if I'm available at any time. You know, I'm here to talk, especially with me being an ethnic actor, you know, an actor of diversity. It would probably be helpful and useful to see somebody there. And um, the beginning of those alumni, you know, after I started doing was they were very attentive. They were very, you know, you know, really want asked genuine questions. Uh, the last one I did. Oh. They were on their phones, mm -hmm. which was very, very disrespectful, oh. in my opinion. You know, we're, we're, we're taking the time out of our day to sit down and talk to you and tell, you know, what it's like to be in L.A., what it's like to be in New York. And half to three quarters of the students that were there were on their phones, you know, oh. and my wife noticed it because my wife comes to these, uh, she's really good friends with John Bridges. They met years ago. And so it's a nice reunion, but, uh, she noticed and told me, she goes, you know, have to, I said, I know I was Joe and I were sitting there <laughs> we're just like, you know, watching them. And it just, that's, so, that's the, uh, are these, I'm students, out of it. are these students that were there for the showcase and that are yes. like, Oh, maybe they're like so 
that's another thing. It's like, I feel like people get so into like, oh my God, do I have any meetings? Does anyone want to see me? That, that we can't be present with like, oh my gosh, here's some people who are doing yeah. the job I want yeah. to do. Yep. Yep. And especially it's, it's a treat to have Joe Mantegna there too, because he is Joe. I mean, he's on, you know, CSI, the criminal minds, you know, uh, series, which is an extremely popular series. And you would want to talk to this man. I want to talk to this man. And I'm sitting next yeah. to him. Say, like, hey, Joe, I have some questions. Why don't you cast me? You son of a <laughs> well, there's you know? two things. I mean, yeah. one thing is what's been probably true since the beginning of time is everybody who's at that showcase thinks I'm, I'm the exception. I'm right. going to shoot straight to mm. Brad Pitt's going to be calling. I don't know why I always think of Brad Pitt <laughs> oh, as my only example of life. Right. I always think Brad Pitt and Meryl Streep. I guess that's because I'm 46. <laughs> they think they're going to go straight to the top. They don't need right. to learn anything else. They right. they did school. I mean, clearly they know everything yeah, they yeah. need to know. That and then the other thing is at the, at the risk of sounding really like a fuddy duddy, I do really. I'm just I just puzzle about like the business is all about relationships. Mm-hmm. And That's even true. if you don't want to listen to Joe Montana speak, mm-hmm. you act like you do yeah. because yep. you don't want Joe Montana to think you're blowing him off because right. you right. and or or Amar. I mean, anybody could be in any position in the future to hire you. You but, can't squander any chance. Right. And I'm go- uh, yeah. Go ahead. But I was just gonna say, looking back, like, and Gina, we've talked about this. It's like. I, I wish that I had not squandered, but I think it's every generation we have, we squander because we don't yet know how precious these connections are. Like, like I thought, you know, like I've talked about it. I thought these people that were offering to help me were, Mm -hmm. were idiots and assholes. What the, what in. I mean, I could see myself watching Amar and Joe Mantegna and being like, I wonder how cute am I? I'm cute. Why, <laughs> why is no one, when are they they're calling me? Like, yeah, what are they saying? Hello. Yeah. Oh, I, 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 I remember my showcase and I ran to Joe, asked him the question. I want, I, I said, Joe, can you give me some insight as to what it would it be like for an ethnic actor as myself to be successful in the business of acting and film and television here in LA today? You know, wow. asking you. Oh, yeah. And he goes, he goes, that's a very, I remember he's like, well, it, he was kind of fumbling a little bit. I mean, sure. how do you answer a question like that? Right. I mean, Especially you know, but in I just, 1998 or whatever. Yeah. 1996. And I'm yeah. like, what's, what's it like for a Middle Eastern man like myself? What, you know, and, but he answered me and I talked to him and it was great. It was awesome. Yeah. And, you know, he said, all he said, I, I remember it. He said, look, you just have to go and audition and do the best, but be prepared, be prepared. And, you know, you, it's important to have a good agent that sees your talent other than your look. But, you know, he goes, be, be prepared that your look is what they're going to cast to as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's always good. And I took advantage of that. I took advantage of that. Yeah. I, well, I, so I've heard Middle Eastern actors describe, you know, probably also before the mm-hmm. turn of the, you know, the millennium, only ever being called in for terrorists or thugs mm-hmm. or whatever <clears throat> has that shifted at all my 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 casting has been much better in the latter years but in the beginning it was pretty much my agent my agent was very good is very good i'm still with him to this day but uh he would send me out on a variety of roles not just the arab roles but he would send me out on a variety of roles. and i would get called in 
for those okay. roles. Okay. But if you look at my resume, most of it is Middle Eastern characters and whatnot. And again, the turn of events, 9-11, all that stuff, Hollywood was just, and I thought my career was over. I bet. Oh, yeah. I thought it so, was over. so soon into it. You must have been so, so soon demoralized. Into it, I said, I'm done. They're not going to cast Arabs right now. We're the enemy now. We're, we're not. And next thing you know, I was auditioning eight, nine times a week huh. for shows and all that stuff. They they were casting all 9-11 themes. You look at all the right. shows that came out in the mid-2000s to 2010. Pretty much every network had some show about some counterterrorism group going after terrorists. Mm-hmm. Hello. Mm-hmm. Not door was knocking all the time yeah. i was working a lot to say is there and... any kind of a professional organization of actors that are middle eastern like is there any kind of a group you know forum for sort of talking about this stuff yeah i mean there was at one point in the beginning a friend of mine started a forum uh where we would discuss our casting and discuss you know what it's like and and it just got to the point where it was everyone was complaining not getting called in and it wasn't even it it shifted focus and that's when i just said okay i'm we're going we're i want to talk about the diversity of acting and let's talk about what we can do now you're just complaining about not getting called in it's like okay that's not uh the the core principle that's so um I, i do converse with some middle eastern actors that i'm still friends with you know over the years and you know their casting is still there terrorist where i'm getting called in for other stuff and i think that has a lot to do with my training from depaul from the conservatory so the biggest positive note i could give about the theater school is that it did prepare me for auditions and let me expand beyond my look my ethnicity yeah you know Shakespeare is a good example. I did a, I did two short films on Shakespeare, what uh, they're called Shakespeare's Pawn. And what I did was I took these monologues and spiced them up a little bit. And I had these oversized chess pieces and they were the audience and they moved around oh. throughout the whole thing. And it was just me doing monologues because I would watch Shakespearean actors go on stage with a white shirt, black slacks and recite Shakespeare. And I said, wouldn't it be great if I shot a short film and then I would shoot on location in different areas? Uh, I'll give you guys the website if you guys want to watch it. Yes, um, we'll put it in our show notes. Yeah, my uh, wife directed both of them. And, uh, you know, but uh, uh, as you can see, my wife's an artist. All of her artwork's on the wall there. Oh, yeah. Uh, a lot, so of, a lot she, of beautiful paintings. Yeah, we'll have yeah, to put her website on our internet. Yeah, yeah, I'll put her website too as well. She's so- She's amazing. What's your dream? Like, I'm just curious, like, what's your dream roles? Like some roles that you haven't played yet that you would love to, like, what's your jam? What would you love to do? Oh man. I mean, take your pick. I'd love to play, um, suspense thrillers, you know, the film noir type of thing where you're wearing that Mm -hmm. fedora, but you know, modernize it a little bit. That's the role of a lifetime to play that role i mean there's a film called sweet smell of success burt lancaster and uh, oh, yeah. uh tony curtis and that's the role i want to play the 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 uh, burt lancaster role where he's i don't know if you've seen the movie or not but I don't. There, there's a scene it's great it's part of the film noir it's on tcm it's on at 10 o'clock uh eastern standard time catch it if you can i think i think it's great and Film noir is what I love to do. The old films. Those are the oh. films that you want to do. Those are the ones that 
true raw acting none of this cgi crap and marvel <laughs> stuff uh you know not nothing against marvel because you know i might get cast in one but right 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 i'm right. just saying marvel's great and that's wonderful um old school film camera black and white so the role of a lifetime is to play a film noir type of character in a suspense thriller those type of roles are the roles. Oh, I love it. I love it. That tracks because another thing I really remember about you was your amazing leather motorcycle yes, jacket. You the leather black leather jacket. I still have it. You still have it. I so still that have it. that tracks that you would you that you you're you like, like mystery and intrigue and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and a little oh, dangerous. Wow. Very good, Gina. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> you know me. You know me. Yeah. If you liked what you heard today, please give us a positive five-star review and subscribe and tell your friends. I Survived Theater School is an Undeniable Inc. production. Jen Bosworth Ramirez and Gina Polici are the co-hosts. This episode was produced, edited, and sound mixed by Gina Polici. For more information about this podcast or other goings-on of Undeniable Inc., please visit our website at undeniablewriters.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thank you. Thank you.